Well, I've started a garden this summer. Um, I've dabbled in gardening. I wouldn't say I do it every year, but Millie is quite um, interested in gardening, so we do that a little bit together. Um, we're not great gardeners, but it is fun to get amongst it and to dabble and to try and produce uh, some veggies for the family. We've got quite a large patch um, at our place, and um, it's got really good soil, really good soil. But I guess sadly, over the last couple of years of neglect, um, the weeds have taken over. The weeds got really well established, and um, and I had to deal with them first before I could plant this veggie patch. Had to deal with the weeds. Had to break in and turn over the soil and uh, prepare the garden before we could start planting our seedlings. Well, gardens are uh, gardens are interesting things because they respond to the attention that we give them. They respond to the attention we give them. They grow and they thrive through nourishing. And likewise, they become barren or they become desolate through neglect. And they require our constant attention uh, in order to thrive. I guess our soul, our heart, our inner life is a lot like a garden. And it's constantly being impacted by the kind of attention that it gets, the kind of attention that we give our heart determines the condition of the garden of our heart. Uh, Romans 12 verse 2, you know it well, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to this world. You know, so many people today are being conformed by the world, by the customs, the behaviors, the principles, the ideologies of the world, the pressures and the stresses of life, they can kind of conform us. They can have an influence on the shape of our lives. Uh, different ideologies, politics, different fears, concerns and worries that we might have. All these things kind of serve to conform us. The world conforms us. It's almost like a tube of toothpaste being squeezed from the outside and it kind of uh, misshapes it kind of conforms from the outside outside forces influence and shape our hearts and if we're not careful to intentionally tend to the garden of our heart by default these outside influences will take over our heart like weeds and if we don't water our hearts if we don't tend to the condition of the soil of our hearts then they can turn barren they can become dry and desolate you know, I think we're seeing this take place a lot in the world today. People are highly strung. People are worn down and worn out. And uh, we can see that with the increased violence and desperation that has, is noticeable in the world today. In the headlines, we see the ram raids cropped up this year in increasing measure. So many uh, instances of gun violence and shootings around New Zealand at the moment. Just this week, I noticed three things that kind of confirmed this for me. Uh, the first was the headline of a man who was caught wielding a knife in a West Auckland mall. And uh, the, the headline described him as being in an irritable condition. Now, that's pretty scary to see a man in a mall with a knife in an irritable condition. Uh, another thing that caught my attention was an article from um, a newsreader who got caught up or witnessed an instance of road rage. And the article alluded to the fact that um, road rage instances have 
dramatically increased since COVID. Road rage instances have increased since COVID. People are uh, on edge, highly strung, easily tipped over. Uh, And personally, I was at the gas station the other day and just walking in to, um, to pay and this woman comes charging in and cuts me off to get into the door first. And, you know, instead of saying politely, oh, excuse me, please, you know, I'm in a hurry or excuse me, please, I need to go first. Um, her comment was, look out, you know, almost like get out of the way, I'm coming through. Um, look out, you know, who says that? What kind of a uh, human treats other humans this way, you know? I think it's broken souls treat other humans this way. Untended hearts or um, drained inner emotional life causes us to treat other human beings with uh, shortness, with a lack of patience, with anger, with outbursts. You know, as Christians, we're, we're not immune from this state ourselves. Churches are in just as much of uh, turmoil as the world around us. And Christians, we're just as squeezed out of shape like that tube of toothpaste as the rest of society. I think the difference is with us as Christians is that in that condition, we know where to go to get help. We know where to go to receive the help that we need. Can I suggest that life is causing our inner being to become desolate and neglected, to become barren? Our soul needs healing. And I've observed this, and I think most noticeably in myself, as well as in society, is that if we are not healthy in ourselves, if we are not healthy in our innermost being, our heart and our soul and our emotions, it has significant implications on our actions and how we live. It impacts how we treat others, how we respond to situations, how we view the world around us. Hope, peace, Joy, stability, self-control, all these things flow from a healthy emotional condition, a whole heart. See, we can be the most spiritually disciplined person. We can know all about the Bible. We can be in church for decades. We can know all the right answers, yet we can still be broken and dysfunctional in our soul, in our emotions, in our personality. We can be mean, we can be selfish, we can be angry, we can be opinionated, we can be indulgent, we can be anxious, easily offended people, all because our soul is neglected. We just have run out of reserves. We are at the end of ourselves and our heart becomes dry, becomes desolate. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it, spring the issues of life out from your heart come our responses to life who we are our personality our nature our actions the fruit of our life flow from the condition of our heart our emotional state and our soul have a look at galatians chapter 5 for a second if you got your bibles turn to it and we'll read along together but we can see in galatians chapter 5 Uh, A picture of the garden of our heart. A picture of what grows and what comes out of our heart. Galatians chapter 5. Go to verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, 
impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery. Now, I know you're thinking, um, I don't see any of that in my life. Well, you know, there, there are some more familiar ones coming, so stay tuned. Uh, how about hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, selfish motives, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, could also call it indulgence, wild parties and sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I had before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. When our soul is neglected, out spring the weeds, out spring the ram raids, out spring the selfish reactions, out spring the road rage and the indulgences. When our soul is neglected, um, our responses to life are not healthy, not functional. But if we can allow the Holy Spirit to tend and to heal our heart, our soul, our inner emotional life, better fruit grows. Have a look at the better fruit that can grow in your heart. Verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Man, doesn't that just sound like a great person to be around? Imagine if all of society was living with these qualities coming out from their heart. Imagine the world in which we'd live today. And this is what God wants to do in us. God is growing fruit in your heart. And I believe that this is the effect of the Holy Spirit upon our souls. He creates this way within us. The work of our spiritual life, the work of our connection with God is to transform our inner heart to be more loving, more kind, more gentle, more patient, more self-disciplined. And if we are not being transformed within us, then can I be honest and say, I guess our spirituality, our activity, our going to church, our reading the Bible, it's fruitless if it's not producing within us a healthy and a functional heart. The fruit God is looking for is the stable and healthy emotional fruit that comes from within us and impacts the people around us. It should change the way we interact with the world today. Why don't we just take a moment here to pause and to discuss um, why do you think it's so hard to live Christ-like when we are struggling emotionally? Why is it so hard to be a good, decent, Christ-like person when we're just at the end of ourselves, when we're running on empty, when our heart is in a dry and a barren state? Why is it hard to live Christ-like? And also, what are the demands of life that might drain, that might damage our soul? What are those things that can cause dryness and barrenness and desolation to our heart? What are those things that can... I guess, crowd out and choke out the good fruit of the Holy Spirit. Let's have a discussion. Oh man, I'm, I'm challenged, you know, I'm really challenged because over time I know that I have neglected to care for my soul, my inner being. I can grow spiritually closer to God, but still be struggling with unrest, with anxiety, with selfishness, with 
dysfunctional behaviors. You know, my spirit can be strong. My love for God can be strong. My connection with God can be strong. But then my, my personality needs work in the way that I deal and interact with people. Um, man, I want to be normal. Like, I want to be patient with my kids. I want to be kind to strangers. I want to be compassionate to hurting people. And that requires that I care for my heart, my soul, my inner emotions. Instead, the drain on my own soul leads me to live selfishly. I think we often act out of deficit. We act out of a lack within our soul rather than the abundance of living water that Jesus says is available. And I'm often praying, I find myself praying, God, give me a greater capacity. Give me a greater capacity to care, to love, um, to be whole, to be able to give out. And I've realized that the restoration, the change needs to take place in me. The transformation needs to take place within me. Remember, we want to be transformed from within, not conformed and not copying the behaviors of the world, not seeing, um, not, not being the same as how the world is reacting to the pressures of today, but being different, living different, being in the world, but not of the world. We're a different breed. We're a different way to be human. Our responses to pressures should be different, um, but not in our strength, but in the strength that Christ can give us and caring and tending to our soul. So let's have a look at how we can strengthen our emotional life. It's all well and good to expose the problem. And I, I, well, I hope, I, not that I hope you're seeing that there's a problem. Uh, I trust we're all growing emotionally stronger, but I know I can see in me um, a problem that needs addressing. And uh, so it's all well and good to expose the problem, but how uh, are we going to make steps to heal? and recover emotionally to stabilize our personality, I guess, and become a better person to be around. Um, let's have a look at Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58, if you want to turn there in your Bible, says a great promise and um, also great encouragement, but also a great challenge for us and some things that we can change, do differently in order to grow and to heal. And let's go um, skip down to verse 9. The whole chapter is great, challenging, but let's... Um, Pick it up from halfway through verse 9. It says, Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and stop spreading vicious rumors. That sounds to me like God is exhorting us to, um, to start being normal, <laughs> to stop being dysfunctional with our emotional reactions. Um, let's start being good, decent human beings. Um, feed the hungry. Help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. Doesn't that sound good? You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild deserted, deserted ruins of your city. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls, a restorer of homes. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath. And speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day. And don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have 
spoken. I can see two things in this passage that I think we can apply uh, so that as God says through Isaiah, he will give us water when we are dry and restore our strength. He will be, we will be like a well-watered garden, well-nourished garden, a healthy, thriving garden, an ever-flowing spring. That's what I want to be. I trust that's what you want to be. And I can see here two quick keys that can help us on that journey. Uh, the first one that I see is to enjoy the Sabbath. Enjoy the Sabbath. What does that mean? Rest, recover, heal, slow down. Man, in this busy world, we can all do with a bit of slowing down. I know it goes against all of culture, but our soul just needs it. Take time to seek God, to abide in His presence and rest. Now, the Sabbath, it's not just talking about going to church. It's not just talking about a day or um, a, hot, a day to do Christian-y things, you know, do the religious things. That's not going to heal our soul. It's talking about the principle of the Sabbath, the principle of rest. God knows we need holy rest, at least weekly, where we stop producing, we recover, and we delight in life. I've read of people who treat the Sabbath like this. They would treat every Saturday like it's Christmas Day. They would turn their phones off. They would just eat huge meals with their family. They would read books. They would go for walks. They would do puzzles. They would play games. Every Saturday was a day of just refreshing, delighting, enjoying life. I want you to ask yourself the question, how do I rest? What do I do to rest? Do you rest well? Do you rest effectively? What are those things that you turn to naturally that are your go-to things of rest? Now I want you to consider, is your method of resting good for your soul? Is it good for your emotions? Is it good for your temperament? Is it sufficient? Is it enough for your soul to be healing and to be growing healthy? Is your rest restoring or is it just vegging out? Is it just blobbing out or is it restorative? Is it actually nourishing? Does your rest leave you feeling refreshed or do you come out of those times of rest feeling even more drained, feeling even more irritable? Can I suggest that there is a rest that is indulgence and there is a kind of rest that is restorative. We don't want to just indulge into our pleasures and think that we're getting rested. We want to actually heal. Netflix is not good rest. Social media is not rest. In fact, I believe that social media is a cause of unrest in society today. Those things are like candy. When our soul needs nutrition. Uh, Jeremiah talks about this. Jeremiah 2 verse 13. My people have done two evil things. They've abandoned me, the fountain of living water. And they've dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. Jesus has made available the source of healing and nutrition and rest for our soul. And yet we continually go off and find our own methods. And they just don't work. They don't work. The things of this world, they promise rest and they promise healing, but they don't deliver. They're cracked. They don't hold any water. Uh, Jesus Christ alone is 
the living water we need. So let's make sure that our rest is not turning to the cracked systems the world offers. Let's drink from the abundant fountain of living water. So there's permission here. We need to rest. God says those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And you all know Psalm 46 verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Well, have a look at the, the message translation of that scripture. It says, step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God. Above the politics, above everything. Above the rush, above the pressure, above the stress, above the discouragement. Take a long, loving look at God, our Savior. And let's rest our souls. I think the other thing that we can do in order to, to care and tend for our souls is to begin to give out again. Begin to give out again. Uh, Isaiah 58 says, Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger. Feed the hungry. Help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. I don't know about you, but sometimes the thought of giving out seems overwhelming. We don't have much left within us. There's so little to draw from. You know, giving out costs us. It, it, it has an expense on us. And when we feel like we've got nothing else to give, the last thing that we want to do is to give out. But, you know, I want to be a person who has the drive and the energy and the reserves to impact those around me. I don't want to let it slip. I don't want to become self-indulgent. I don't want to become self-centered. I want to be others-focused. And so something needs to heal, and I need to begin to give out again. Our life's purpose is to serve others. Jesus said the greatest in the kingdom are the servants of all. So we need to be able to structure our lives in a way, in a sustainable way, so that we have the capacity for this priority, giving out again. You know, a drained soul is often very self-focused. It's always saying, I need healing. I need rest. I need feeding. And you know, that's understandable, but we can't stay in that place forever because staying in that place distracts us. We lose the awareness of other people's hurt, of other people's pain, of other people's need. Life is not all about me. Life is not all about us. It's actually very liberating to take our eyes off our own needs and to direct our attention onto the needs of others. Actually, the irony is that as we begin to give out again, it does us healing. It does us good. This is the way of the kingdom. We die to live. We give to gain. We sow to reap. Have a look at Proverbs 11 verse 25. The generous soul will be made rich. Or in other words, the generous soul will prosper. And he who waters will also be watered himself. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. This verse isn't talking about money. Although that can be included, it's talking about having a generous heart, a generous soul, an outward focus to life. The key to ourselves being refreshed is to never let go of refreshing other people. It just comes to mind our Christmas boxes and even our invites to the barbecue next Saturday. Man, what a wonderful opportunity for us to go beyond ourselves 
and to refresh somebody else. And you might not feel like you've got any capacity to, to talk to your neighbor or to invite a friend or to give someone a box. You might think, man, I, I don't have any strength left in me. Maybe that's the key to regaining some more strength within your own heart is to go and reach out to somebody else. Why don't you consider that this week? If we always wait until we have enough to give, and if we're only focusing on our supply, then we'll grow increasingly small. Our world will shrink. We'll become increasingly self-centered. Living full, healthy, and stable and whole lives requires that we give out. Having a big heart, having an enlarged capacity for others requires that we give out towards others. I heard of a psychiatrist's advice for people who are battling their own lack or their own need. They said, walk out the door, shut it behind you, cross the road, and go and find somebody else to help. Helping others with their needs is a wonderful healing tool. Being able to take our eyes off our lack and put our attention onto somebody else. I don't know about you, but I want to be a well-watered garden. I want to be trees planted by rivers of living water, not bothered by seasons of drought and dryness, not barren or desolate inside, but always green, always producing fruit. I want to be producing from my heart the fruit of the Spirit for other people to pick and other people to receive from. I want my soul, my inner man, my emotions to be transformed by God. I don't want to be conformed and bent out of shape by the pressures of the world around me. I want to add value to people around me instead of being self-centered, irritable, or always on edge. But in order to do that, we need inner strength. We need inner healing. I've made available a short guided prayer that will help us invite Jesus to come and to heal our inner life. Why don't you work through that together, engage with that together, and then spend some time praying for one another. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. I give everyone and everything to you, God. Linger there for a moment. 
Jesus, what do I need to let go of? Linger and listen. Then give those specific people and things to God. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, heal my union with you. I am created for union with you, God. I give everything in me for union with you. I love you. I believe you. I worship you. Restore our union, Lord. Heal and restore our union. Linger there for a moment. that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I pray for more of you, God. Fill me with more of you. I pray the river of life would fill me, restore me, renew me, surround me. I need more of you, God. Saturate me with your love. Saturate me with your life. Linger. Well done.